Hey, it's Taylor. Welcome back to Stories and Lies. We're nearing the end of our first story with only four more episodes to go after this one. Thank you all for listening to the show. We hope you've been enjoying it. And if you have, please tell a friend or an enemy or some strangers on the street. And while you're at it, hop onto our Discord server. We've got our first community game in the works. First of many, hopefully. The Discord is free and open to anyone who wants to join. If you'd like bonus audio content, short stories, additional side story episodes, and much more, check out patreon.com slash storiesandlies and support the show's development and production. Rate and review the show wherever you listen, and let us know what you think about it so far. We're open to suggestions for improving, and have already gotten some wonderful feedback from some of you on the editing front, which I hope I've done justice to here. Okay, let's get right into episode 16, Cold Chicken. The nation are mostly clean, but they're coming after me. I don't know who they are. But you gotta take this along. The implications. Wayne? Wayne! Ah, hey there, son. I-, I hope that you're not here to get me in trouble. Good afternoon, Mr. Morrison. I'm pleased to see that you're feeling better and that you're walking around the facility again. Why would you be in trouble? I snuck out of that room. Well,. It's nice to see you sneaking, if that's what this is. You really don't need permission to leave. Your door isn't even locked during working hours. Aha! But you all lock me in there at night, don't you? Mr. Morrison, most of the staff doesn't even work here at night. And it isn't safe to allow residents to wander around unsupervised. Most of our residents aren't as mentally sharp as you are, I'm afraid. I can't say that I like most of the other residents that I run into around here. I hardly like most of the employees. You, my boy, are the shining exception that seems to prove the rule around here. Oh, Mr. Morrison, the other nurses and staff here are, are all very nice people. And they work very hard to take care of you and the other residents. I really wish you'd give them a chance. The other people that work here, they're just... There's something very fake about the lot of them. Fake smiles, platitudes, they patronize me, son. They can hear me, but they ain't really listening. You know, not like you. I mean, not at all. You've been the only one who seems to actually be interested in what I have to say. They're just being polite. You're not exactly an easy guy to get along with. I I never said that I was. Why don't you keep walking or sneaking around? I'll go with you, and you can tell me more about it. You need your exercise, Jacob. All, all right, let's do that. Uh, I, I most certainly feel fine, I, and I do not need any help with walking. And I don't really care to talk about this place anymore, son. Um, how about we go back to my story? Yeah, I'm looking forward to how it ends. From the sound of things, it's going to end well. Your agents finally found the kidnapped girl and Lindsay Peel at the Twin Oaks Motel in uh, Louisiana. They gave the girl her medicine, and the police don't know their location. So all they have to do is stay put for one more day, and it's all over. Yeah, yeah, that's how we ended it last time. And, well, um, I guess I'm not sure how to say this, so I guess I'll just go ahead and say it. It did not actually end well. Not at all. It all got fucked. They tell me all your stories. All the little worries you cry. They tell me what the world needs. What they say 
So we're in Louisiana, in a small town called Carlos, just south of Sulphur, just south of the I-10 here in Louisiana, in the rural parts. It's just past 6 o'clock at night. Staring down on a very small street. This is Carlos Avenue heading through town. We're in the run-down, disused, commercial, for lack of a better word, section of town. And you've got an old dry cleaner, which has been shuttered. Um, the smallest of mini-marts, like three different little stores. A laundromat, uh, a hair salon, and a little convenience store. Uh, you've got a, a lumber yard, which is open a couple times a week. Um, a car repair place that's disused, the propane dealer, and a couple of other small businesses, most of which are shuttered. Uh, these buildings are sun-bleached, uh, the roofs are worn, uh, there's no sidewalks here. The street goes right up into a grassy areas where there's lawns and there's thick forests. At the end of Carlos Drive, past the, two, the Twin Oaks Motel, where we last left our story, the very end is a trailer park. That's where our, our road ends. And beyond it, a vast area where the clearings are, and there are three or four acres of trailers parked here on just the edge of town. This Twin Oaks Motel has seen better days. It's still two-story, L-shaped motel with a parking lot right in the L. Um, maybe 30-some-odd rooms. You are located at a room of Miss Lindsay Peel. The room number, I'm just checking my notes, is room 23, located on the second floor of the motel overlooking the parking lot. Inside the room, we sit for just a moment. Everyone has finally had a chance to catch their breath. Um, on a bed with no mattress uh, sits the girl, Regina, who just finished telling her story to Dorothy. Um, leaning against the wall, nearly passed out is Lindsay Peel, the social worker. Her kind of blonde brown hair, dirty, unkept, unshowered. Uh, she's probably been wearing the same clothes for days. And she is utterly exhausted. The rest of you are standing around her. And as you see her, she almost slides down the wall. Uh, she has been alert and awake for way too long. And that goes for the same for the three of you. Um, you didn't sleep last night. Uh, it's been a while, and now that we're here, we've all had a moment. We found the girl. We found Lindsay. We're in the room. She's explained the story to you, um, and exhaustion finally sets in. So the first thing we'll do for this evening is everyone roll D10 and subtract that from your willpower. I'm sorry, D6, excuse me. I got a two. Three. Yep, same here. Okay. So the the lack of sleep and the exhaustion and as basically the adrenaline is gone. Um, you're all feeling the effects now. You've lost some more power, but worse than that, if you make any rolls now, uh, all rolls are at negative 20% until you're rested and you're, you're no longer exhausted. The whole part is exhausted. Lindsay is more than exhausted. Uh, Regina is actually doing fine. She's got her medicine. She's now awake and alert. She's breathing. And she's had plenty of rest and plenty of junk food, probably. 
So she, and she's got a kind of joyful little kid look on her face, but she's the only one in the entire room that has any bit of happiness in her. It's setting in. You're here. But now what do you want to do? That's a good question. We, uh, hmm. we talked about it a little bit. I don't think we really came to any conclusions. Willow would try to find a chair that she could see out the window. And there is one chair in this uh, motel room. Um, it's by the, it's by the, the desk, which is right next to the television, but you can take that chair. Now, if you look, um, Lindsay has taken the mattress off the bed. It's a queen-size bed, and she's placed it up against the window. So right now, that the view of the window is blocked. Um, and she had for, uh, until you got here, she had a dresser up against the door, but she's moved that dresser out of the way. So you could, there's a peephole in the door, but that's about your only way to look out right now. Um, Willow would ask, so what now, guys? Are we... Are we confident in the security of this room? Dorothy looks around the room and kind of is, is very pensive, is sitting there sort of thinking and thinking about the thinking about the symbol that's on the door and about what Lindsay said that George told her. Yeah, next to you, Regina kind of bounces a little uneasily or just that nervous kid bounce where they can't quite sit still and right next to Dorothy she's kind of just kind of just shifts around a little bit kind of bounces her head looks at everybody and and waits expectantly for something um, Lindsay looks up at Willow and says um, could, could maybe we get some real food uh, could someone get maybe some some food that That'd be great. What do you want? Uh, at this point, I'll take anything. Um, just, just no more, no more junk food or uh, uh, vending machine, gas station. Uh, any kind of takeout would be fantastic. Lindsay, how long did it take you to protect the room with that sign? Uh, um, she looks like she's trying to focus. But it's kind of it's hard for her. Uh, but she so it takes her a few moments as she thinks. She says, look, she's going to seem a little slow to you, and she says, um, "Few minutes. I, I don't remember. Maybe f three to five. I just I had to carve it, but with a penknife." Okay, that makes sense. I am. Well, I I I, I don't know because I haven't personally experienced this yet. But my inclination is to say that George is probably right that this this room may be safe. But I also think we're sitting ducks because it's very, very possible that we will be discovered fairly soon. It may be worth moving, um, but that's going to be difficult. I am. Um, why? She says. Why move or why would it be difficult? Why do you think we'll be discovered? What happened? We've been trying everything we can to, to get here, to find you. And we're not the only ones who are doing that. There is 
John's people... And half the cops in Houston... Are probably pretty close behind us. Well, well, we're in Louisiana. It was important for for us to, to lead the state. I mean, it's supposed to frustrate their efforts. I mean, they those people over there, we figure they couldn't really reach us over here. Dorothy gives a very meaningful look to Fred. He, yeah, he, he's thinking. Um, kind of throws his brow. It, it was George's idea? Oh, uh, well... I don't want to blame it on him, but it was we we talked about it. Well, it's a good uh, idea. I think it was mostly his idea. He was thinking that it would be more difficult out of state. It was. You dumped the other car as well. Did a whole switch. She not. Definitely made the whole thing more difficult. But I don't think Houston PD is gonna come knocking. Technically, we're. I'm a bit on this. Um. Now you're on the radar of the FBI, though. So she looks at, at the three of you. So are you all DEA? I am. Dorothy laughs and she says, uh, I'm a professor. I teach anthropology. So she gives you just a long stare, like just with a confused look on her face. I used to be a librarian. I, I knew George because he, he would come to me and ask about various things, you know, historical things, cultures, people, religions, stuff like that. Okay, um, right, so she looks at Fred. So you're with the DEA then, right? No, uh, FBI. Oh, good, um, if it's FBI, then obviously we've, we've got an FBI agent here. I mean, I don't, I, I don't understand. Well, when I said you're on the radar of the FBI, that's true. That's a good thing for you. I'll try to... I'll help you out. While this conversation is going on, can I pay attention to Lindsay as a medical doctor? Yeah. Um, looking at her, um, she she just she looks exhausted and maybe... Um, I mean, she wouldn't be malnutrition for a couple of days, but you know, she just looks like she's kind of in bad shape. She probably hasn't showered. You know, her skin has got a kind of a, a glossy, greasy look to it. Um, you know, her eyes, there's bags under her eyes. Um, and she's got a little bit of a tremor in her extremities as well. So from, from stress or, or something like that, you can tell that she, she's, you know, she clearly needs rest and, and rest number one. And, you know, probably some, some better food and, and, and a lot less stress. Fred, do you think, do you think we're okay on the FBI front, even if you're not, you know, um, what was the city that uh, the FBI office is in in Louisiana? Lake Charles. Do you still need to get there? With us being here and everything, I, I think it's a risk that I leave. Yeah. I'll do everything I can after. Um, okay. I, I don't have the, I don't have the time. So in, in that case, probably the, the cops, the FBI, the, not our biggest concern at this point. No. Right? right. But the other people. Yeah. She takes a deep breath and kind of eyes go a little bit wide and says, did you, did you come in a police car? <laughs> no. Dorothy laughs. 
Oh, um, I was worried that someone might see your vehicle outside and then, you know, get suspicious. Okay. Um, well, listen, there's there's four of us here. We we could do shifts or something. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe someone can get some food. Um, you can do whatever things you need to do. Uh, one of us can get. I can get some sleep. I'll go. I'll I'll go get get some food. Sure. All right. I'll watch. Lindsay, you should probably get some sleep. Yeah, I can keep Regina company. Hmm. Right. So she just nods to this plan. Uh, she goes and gets some blankets. They're on the floor, and a couple of pillows also on the floor. Um, and gathers a bunch of things up, takes it over to, there's like a, a simple closet next, uh, just opposite the bathroom of a, you know, your typical motel closet. Uh, she sets some things in there and kind of p- puts herself in the closet, basically. And, uh, you know, it's kind of scrunches herself down in there, lays and curls up a bit. And even though it looks woefully uncomfortable to be laying on the floor, on the dirty pillow, the dirty blanket, it doesn't even seem to bother her. And she kind of curls up, almost in a fetal position there, laying with the closet door open. Lights are on. Bathroom lights on. You know, the vanity light is on. The hall area lights on. Your main lights are on. Uh, she just curls up there and, and starts going to sleep in the closet of this motel. Hmm. Uh, Dorothy, um, would you happen to know why the light's on? She did say that George said it was important. Did you read anything about that? Can I roll? Well, so my occult is 60. Um, I don't know if that would help me in this case, but is there anything that Dorothy would know? I mean, with Dorothy's occult of 60, um, it, I think it actually hurts her because there are now too many possible reasons in Dorothy's mind. Yeah. She has too many theories about what that could mean. Um, it, does she have, I think she has any unnatural, correct? No. Um, one thing she will say, though, right off the bat is... Um, well, the second to last plague is darkness for three days. And whatever that thing was seems to be made of shadow almost. Mm. Maybe light dispels it. Maybe, and they were, they were in a fairly dim, uh, the church was fairly dim when they were doing that. It was. Maybe it, this, maybe it, it keeps the dark away, but. You think there's a possibility it shuts off the lights too? I I don't know. I don't know what to think about it. Mm. And that star outside. She nods kind of gravely. You think it's bullshit or, or or it works? Well, I'm not I'm not sure. Um I've never seen it before. We saw it at the at the bunker. Um it certainly seemed to keep us out but that may also just be because it was a very well-locked bunker. Let's say I think a steel retaining bar kept us out. Mm. What I can tell you is none of this stuff is stuff that I've come across directly. I've come across analogs, you know, things that are vaguely similar, but but it's, it's also different. Everything, all these different mythologies and cultures, they're all different. Regina pulls on the, the side of your sleeve. And she looks at her. A little, a little tug tug. She says, that's the star of Jesus. When Jesus was born. She nods. 
Mm. She smiles at you. And she says, what, what else can you tell me about it? Daddy showed me how to make it, how to draw it. I show you. Yeah, she pulls out a, a pad of paper from her purse and a, and a pencil and hands it to her. Absolutely not. So the, the girl reaches for the pencil. She's Even though Fred says no, she's, she reaches for the pencil and gets the paper. Dorothy gives a look to Fred, like a kind of a settle down sort of a look. Like a very serious, like, stop. He 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 just kind of lo- looks at at you and at Regina as well. Uh, he does not seem to be joking at all. Regina seems to, she looks a little bit confused, but she isn't quite picking up on what's going on here. No, of course, you know, there's of a little course confusing not, yeah. energy, uh, but she seems kind of uh, her giddiness to, to show this to you seems to be overweigh, outweighing her uncertainty about the social situation that's happening. So she wants to do it. So she's. She kind of awkwardly puts the pencil in her hand. You know, she's not, mm-hmm. you know, ob- maybe she's used to drawing with other implements. Um, and she begins to s- start, um, kind of works out essentially kind of a, a pentagram or a pentagon shape, kind of in the middle. And then it works out the, the, the five arms of the curving arms of the star shape as it move around them. And she kind of focuses a little bit and draws and draws and it takes her a little longer than an adult would to do this but she works you know and she eventually works out on the paper a very larger version of this five-pointed star sign all right and then she puts the pencil down and and kind of smiles at you oh good teach all the kids to draw the elder sign it's perfect (laughs) okay i feel like willow like in the whole sanity realm, like a lot of this stuff, Willow's been pushing down. But watching this kid draw this, yep. and Fred standing over her, like, do I stop this? Like that whole thing would resonate pretty solidly with Willow. Like I was going to ask as well, can I roll sand? <laughs> yeah, like this is this is fucked up Let's from Willow's for, point for, of view. For Willow and Fred, roll sandy, but I don't think Dorothy necessarily would. I don't need think to. so either. No. Yeah, I think it's, she's okay with this. I think during that confrontation, I think Dorothy would be looking at Willow in, in, in this kind of like, please back me up here sort of a way. Um, but I rolled exactly what my sanity is, and it happens to be 66. All right. Well, it, oh, it's a success. Critical success. And it's a, it's a, it's a good it, success for you. So you can kind of play that how you will, but uh, it, you don't lose any sanity from this. But how about Fred? How's he doing? I got 36. It's a pass. That's a pass. Okay. Yep. All right, Fred. You're, you you can manage it however you manage it. This is an unnatural role as, as well. So it's not yeah. violence. It's not helplessness. He, he he looks at the whole the whole thing just happened like a car crash in slow motion. Um, he kind of goes to just grab like the, the, the paper or the, or the, you know, the book. Um, but he stops himself. His eyes were kind of glossy, like he's not really looking at, at what's going on. It's just kind of lost in the distance. Um, his expression is kind of blank, not in his usual self, just kind of like he's not he's not there. He's not in the room at the moment. Um, Can I roll human on Fred? Yeah, go for it. But it lasts maybe four seconds uh, and then he, he just kind of puts his hands in his pockets and says I'll go get some food that's a 38 under 50 
Yeah, 50. Oh, so one additional th piece of information Dorothy learns about Fred by watching him is you, there's a concern that you have that Fred appears close to a breakdown. He's handling it, but you have a sense from seeing him that Fred is very, very much on edge and that makes you uncomfortable. So she'll look at this paper and she'll maybe gently take it from Regina and kind of admire her work, so to speak. Um, and, you know, thank her for, for showing this and then turn to Fred and very gently say, can you please go get us some food? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and he kind of sheepishly leaves uh, and, and goes, you know, goes goes to get some takeout, whatever, like some Chinese food or something. Ch ch chicken nuggets. <laughs> some chicken nuggets. nuggets. Yeah. Of course, Regina wants chicken nuggets. Fred just kind of stops, just kind of turns. He, he smiles a little bit. All right, young lady. Then he leaves and goes get some chicken nuggets. Is Fred leaving alone? Uh, yeah. I was going to ask if he wanted one of us to go with. Um, he, He'd say no. He prefers that, that all of you stand guard here. All right. The only vehicle is the Chevelle. Oh fuck. Yep. Uh, Will would offer up the keys, but with a knowing look, like you know what you're driving here. I know we're facing like all crazy things, but Willow's still scared of what people would do to her dad's car. Like that's that's built-in fear. Yep. He he kind of smiles like, I'll. Do my best. Takes the keys and uh, goes to drive to where there's uh, some passable food. And as he's leaving, Dorothy says, just good luck. Mm. Fred, outside the sun is setting in the west. The town itself is, is not a lot of activity. The roads are pretty, pretty empty. There's occasional pickup trucks that drive by. As you go back to the Chevelle... Um, I believe there was like five, maybe six cars in the parking lot. Not a lot of other customers or, or people here at the motel. And as you arrive, it looks pretty much the same as when you got here. You don't notice anything different. The Chevelle is where you left it. You hop inside. Uh, the skies are still overcast. The ground a little bit damp from an earlier rainstorm, but right now it's just overcast. It's not raining. Uh, you hop into the Chevelle, start it up. The engine purrs alive as you started up again you know the the window you still see the marks the hood you still see the marks from the, the hailstorm um, it rumbles as you leave the parking lot and drive down into downtown carlos now do you want to look for food in carlos or do you want to go somewhere else mm, staying in carlos what are you looking for whatever uh it can be just a burger joint it can be uh pizza like Anything other than just shitty corner store food that uh, right. Lindsay has been eating. You got burgers and you got a, ch a chicken shack. They're your first two places you noticed. <laughs> All right. Well, he'll stop at the chicken shack. Um, right. I, I, I will say as well, uh, both like leaving the uh, the motel um, and and uh, driving around, he's, he's exhausted. So he's got just a minus 20%, but he is trying to be very alert. Uh, he's okay. looking around, just seeing if anything 
well, if, if, if first of all, if he's being followed, uh, to be frank, uh, but also just if, if there's things out of the ordinary around. Uh, give me an alertness minus 20%. Okay. So, I forgot about that. Um, my uh, human probably would have been a fail then. Okay. 38 under 30, or over 30. Hmm. Anyway. Uh, complete failure, 95. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty uneventful out here. A lot of people that appear like they they were they belong. You know, the vehicles, you know, the people you see, nothing stands out to you. Yeah. You pull into the parking lot of this little chicken shack. It, it looks like at one point it might have been a Kentucky Fried, but then it's no longer. And now a a, a generic local chicken company, you know, chicken basket, we'll call it, has moved in. And is yep. basically offering some of the same fare. So when you enter in, uh, you know, it's there's a few people sitting inside eating their food. There's some behind the counter. There's the, the menu that you would expect from a chicken joint. Anything in particular, we just kind of, we'll just <laughs> move through it. Whatever. Uh, right. He's not going to forget the chicken nuggets, but otherwise just like straight up, I don't know. Well, surprise, chicken um, yeah. for, for everyone. All right, you can bring a big bucket of chicken and a bunch yeah, of yeah. sides. And some biscuits and some drinks. And you, you kind of place an order, uh, you know, pay for it, sit around, wait for it. Uh, you know, bucket, a couple of bags, you know, a little drink carry, whatever. You haul it all out. Yep. As you go back to the Chevelle, um, in the parking lot, as you're approaching the vehicle, uh, some some guy has parked his truck nearby and he's like looking at the Chevelle and he looks, you know, kind of curious about it. He's, he's looks like he's maybe mid-20s, overalls kind of dirty haircut i mean kind of messy haircut brownish black hair a little bit of beard growth on him kind of checking things out it doesn't really see you approaching until you get closer and turns and looks at you and, and, and smiles at you what happened to your car hail he, he gives a little kind of a shake of the head you know uh whistles a little bit like kind of that owl look on his face and runs his fingers over a couple of the indentations on the hood and stuff. He says, uh, look, look pretty recent here. No rust. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I can fix that for you. You can. I, I got a body shop here in town. Hmm. Well, I'll, I'll be, uh, I'll be honest with you, friend. This isn't my car. It's, it's my friend's car. So, Look, I can, I can ask her, and if she accepts, why not? I'm, I'm sure she'd be really happy. Y'all from out of state? Uh, nah, we're from here around. Texas plates? Yeah, my friend is. Yeah, it looks over there. He's all... Uh, Apollo? <laughs> he he can't, doesn't really understand at first. Uh, kind of kneels down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Apollo. He says, where where, where this happened to you? On, on the 10? Mm-hmm. When y'all's coming over this direction? Yep. He nods a bit. It's a huge pileup and everything. Not much that could be done. Yeah, yeah, I heard, heard about that. Yeah. Hmm. And you're from? Not from around. Around. Around from here. Hmm. Where y'all hmm. staying? Human. <laughs> Human. Yeah, go, go for it. Minus twenty. Yeah. Oh my God. 
Oh no. Oh no. 99. Oh, okay. Um, this, this, the, in these kind of backwater areas, people are just like a lot more friendly. They're just a lot more outgoing. You know, they really want to kind of get to know you mm -hmm. when they first meet you. Yeah. Um, you've seen this behavior a lot in small towns, in rural communities. You know, these kind of just very friendly, very engaging kind of people. So you, that's, um, it's tired as Fred is. Um, almost like the friendliness of this guy just kind of melts him a little bit. He just, you know, this yeah. guy doesn't, doesn't bother him. Mm hmm Yeah, well, we're, we're, um, well, <laughs> there isn't a thousand hotels and motels in Carlis, are there? Because, nah. Yeah. I just, but, uh, pro probably just down the road, right? Huh. Kind of nods. Uh, right. Then he kind of catches himself. <laughs> like, shut up. <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, I should probably get going now. Don't want to chicken to get cold. He got a points in, in the other direction. He says, I, "My shop's just just down down that way. You um, come by in the morning. I I help you out. Fix uh, fix her up real nice." Hmm. Hmm. I'll tell that to my friend. All right. He kind of smiles at you. Um, steps back a little bit. Gives you some room. So you sure. can kind of load the car up and do your thing. Put your, yep. put, put everything in the front seat, you know, set it all up, get inside. He stands by his pickup truck and kind of smiles at you. Yeah. Fred just kind of nods, lowers the window and says, right, take care now. Right. He kind of waves at you. Uh, roll alertness for me, Fred. Yep. I hate this. I hate this so much. Oh, I make it even with a minus 20%. Um, so I rolled 24 Right. Uh, and I have 50 alertness. Oh, right, good, good. So 30 would be make your, it. your target. Okay. Yep. So, I mean, he's smiling at you. Um, in, in the front seat of the pickup truck, there's like two other people sitting in the front seat. Like one, like one, you know, it's a, and it's a single bench front seat. And those two people are just staring at you from the inside of this truck. Um, and they've got kind of simple looking hair, white people with kind of you know, plain looking faces. Um, just like look like anybody you've ever seen before. Just nothing distinct about these two, other than that, that is watching you. How many rifles are on the back window? If Fred would notice it, he'd just kind of stop, and he's he's gonna use the momentum he just built up. He he'll step out the car. Okay. Just kind of go to like do a very like with a very nice smile and everything. Just wave at uh, at the people in the pickup truck. Yeah. So uh, as this guy gets back in the driver's seat, you wave to the two people in the pickup truck. Um, and they, they both just look at you and don't wave back. Yeah. Is he your friend? All right. Are you, are you, um, he's getting in the, in the driver's seat. You want him to... Do you wave to this guy? Yeah. Okay. Oh, he, he kind of pops the door open a little bit, kind of steps out a little bit, and looks over at you, kind of curious. He's hey, uh, what's that? Are these your friends? He look, looks in the car, looks back. Family. Family, nice. From where? What part? From around. Sure. He smiles at you. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'll see you around. He, he nods a bit. Nods a few times. Um, Fred just turns and looks at the two that were staring at him and just shoots them icy cold glares. Give me one more alertness roll. Yep. I'm about to get shot. Oh, I make it as well. 23. 
the back window of this pickup truck's got a bunch of stickers, as you would expect from any of these kind of things, you know, like NRA sticker and a little American mm-hmm. flag and a little like a Marine vet kind of, you know, whatever the uh, probably uh, MIA uh, Vietnam vet kind of sticker. And then next to all that is one last sticker, like a shape of a cross, like, you know, white cross with a little black cross on the inside of it, kind of on the yep. far right hand side of the back window. Yep. Fred ops in the car, just kind of, kind of caresses the like the the, the steering wheel a little bit, kind of says out loud. I hope they don't hit me too much for their food to get cold, but I'm gonna go for a ride. Uh, and he just fucking floors it and and just goes driving in the countryside. Uh, well, I hate to do this to you, Fred. <laughs> Give me a drive roll. <laughs> oh God. No, don't don't, oh, don't do that. That's a zero. Just don't botch it. What does that mean? Hold on. Hold don't on. botch it. Wait, so is he at negative 10? Does he even have a... No, he's ch- at zero. He's pretty much at zero. So there's no... It's oh, default to 20. I'm so close. <laughs> what did you I, get? I, I rolled a 35, but that's a failure. Okay. Spend the luck. I know. <laughs> All right. So, um, Fred, you do floor it a little bit, but you're not used to driving the Chevelle, and so before you do anything crazy, you ease off and drive, you know, and um, you, you pick a direction. Right, left, doesn't matter. You turn. Yep. And then in just a few moments after making that turn, in, in the rearview mirror, a pickup truck that you remember makes the same turn right behind you. Oh, shit. And you see it kind of back there, maybe a half a block behind you, just buzzing along. He he knows that trick. He's going to keep turning right and right and right yeah. and right again and again yeah. and again. Yeah, after about, you know, the next two rights... That truck, um, it's back. It's following you. Yep. He keeps yeah. doing it. He, he he knows he's being followed now. Um, he's just going to go drive to, like, fucking, like, on the way to Lake Charles. Right. Like, he's just picking a direction, and he's going to drive there. Okay. So you're going to head back to the freeway, or you want to just... Uh, actually, you're not familiar with these parts, so the freeway makes more sense for you. And uh, Taylor reminded me with his hand gesture. While he's just driving, he's gonna grab the steering wheel with one hand, just kind of adjust like the just the buckets of chicken next to him, and pull out from his pants his his, his hand his silenced handgun. Just kind of place it in the middle of the buckets, kind of hide it a bit. Goes back to driving. Hey, wait, that's metagaming. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so as Fred is driving around, uh, being Obviously followed by guys in the pickup truck. We'll go back to the hotel room. Uh, what are the what are the two you want to do? How long has he been gone? At this point, we'll say I don't know, ten minutes or so. You know, how, as long as you okay. want. Unless you do, you know, okay. you can do whatever you want. So as soon as Fred left, I would have finished the chair arranging. So I would have pushed the mattress to where I could get a look out of the window, just on the the edge furthest from the door. Would push the mattress down so there's a s- slot to look out of drug the okay. chair over there so I could look out. And I still have my rifle, right? Which now I'm really grateful of. Yeah, you still have your rifle. Right. So, I'm sitting in the chair looking out the slot, little slash in the window that I can see out of with the rifle in the corner. Right. Probably so you do look nodding out there. off. <laughs> um, and within with probably within five to ten minutes, yeah, you are, you're heavy eyelids. Um, your body is beginning to shut down. Outside, there's there's no stimulus. There's nothing happening that you that, that keeps you alert or awake. 
um, the situation is really weighing on you. Do you want to try to stay up or do you want to get some shut eye? So I would say my training would kick in at this point. I know that that's at the point that I'm at and I would make eye contact with Dorothy and pull out the Altoid 10 and be like, I got two choices, Dorothy. One is bad and one is less bad. Which one's less bad? Sleeping. Sleeping is less bad. Why? If I continue to take stimulants, uh, this is, it's been a long week for my body. I haven't had any good restful sleep in five days. If I continue driving on this stimulant train, it's going to be a problem. And this is literally a doctor telling you this. Yep. All right, hand me one. Okay. She gives Dorothy one. Okay. And then she, so she takes it and then she also looks at your, like she glances down at your gun kind of meaningfully. Okay. She says, get some sleep. Three hours. Like makes eye contact and says three hours. Yeah. I'll kick you if I need you. Okay. All right. So cook for Dorothy. I want to just check to see how long the stimulate will help keep Dorothy awake and will counteract the effects. The, the negative 20 will be gone for a time. So I'm going to find out how long that is. Got it. Okay. So I, I know when that'll kick, that'll wear off. But for now, Dorothy, you, you're no penalty for Dorothy after the stimulate kicks her in. And as for Willow, you can sleep pretty much anywhere at this point, so you can choose. Okay. And she's got good Air Force training, so this is, you know... Getting a couple of hours of sleep is effective for her. I would think rack time. in between the beds would be where she would feel the most comfortable. Like it's a two twin room. She'd just grab a pillow and lay down right in the middle of them with her feet sticking out in the walkway because she's so damn long. Yeah, this room's got a single queen bed. Just oh, it's as a single. A note. Okay. Yeah. So and that big queen mattress was what she was put up against the window and you, you made some room. So there's a great big queen box spring still remaining, and then the space to either side of the bed. Uh, so the space on the other side of the queen from the door? Yeah. Like. That's a space closer to the bathroom and also closer to where Lindsay is sleeping. Okay. So you, you make yourself a little, little space over there and, and get some rack time as yeah. Dorothy is on guard duty. And grabs the gun and just kind of sets it near her. All right. It, it's, She's got a 40 in firearms. It, 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 this is a big gun. Yeah. This is a gun. Yeah. The 300 blackout long rifle. Like, are you, are you saying it's a heavy weapon? No, it's not. It's but it's it's a rifle. Okay. Yeah. But okay. it's gonna be firearm skill, so we don't have to worry about that. She's she's fired rifles before, probably not something like this, but she's fired hunting rifles and shotguns and stuff before. Okay, it, it's not super different than a lever action like 3030 <laughs> that most people would learn how to hunt with, right? Like it's that kind of rifle. Yep. Just with a little extra work on it. Right. Yeah. Is it loaded? I assume it's loaded. Yeah, it is. Very so, much. So okay. Dorothy, um, the sun goes down outside. All right. And outside in the parking lot, there's a couple of exterior lights that turn on on this motel. A couple of parking lot lights, you know. Um, there, the sign itself for the motel is just kind of a flickering broken neon that doesn't does it quite illuminate or just some of the letters illuminate, basically. Um, and there's a couple of lights on the walkway, the L-shaped walkway on the exterior of the motel, both upper and lower level. But other than that, uh, the buildings around you show very little illumination. 
as the sun goes down because they don't seem to be very occupied or busy. Um, and all you see for the most part out the window, uh, other than the park, the illumination from this structure, is maybe some lights from the stars. Um, as you, they peek through, through, it's still mostly cloudy night. So, uh, and mostly a pretty dark night, all things considered, as things settle. We cut back to Fred. So, um, Fred, you've been driving for maybe, uh, what, 40 minutes or so? Yeah. All right. Um, as you look back, uh, those headlights now, now it's a pair of headlights to you, um, appear to still stay back there. Um, but in Fred's mind, you can swear there's a couple of other headlights that look familiar to you as well, even as you turn. Um, and you fear that maybe there's some other vehicles that have joined in the chase. No one seems to be getting very close to you. None of these vehicles are like pulling up on you. Nobody's trying to, you know, catch up to you, pit maneuver, whatever. They're hanging back there. Um, as you look through your rear view, it's just headlights, you know, about a, about a block behind you. And we're on the freeway even further behind you. So you do pull in the Lake Charles, unless you want to go somewhere else. Honestly, at that point, fuck it. He's going to Lake Charles. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know how far away that is. How about we'll just say that's maybe 45 minutes? Sure. I mean, I figured it's, it's not that far away anyway. I think so. we checked. It was like, yeah, it was something like 45 an hour away, I believe. Yeah. So we'll say with all the weird driving Fred's doing, you know, 45 minutes with, with all of his detours. You know, yep. And so... Um, where do you want to go, Fred? You, you're uh, you're in control. You can choose your destination. How dark is it? It's nighttime now. So yeah, we're um, we'll put ourselves at um, eight o'clock. They're they're more than welcome to you know follow to the Lake Charles FBI office if they want. <laughs> yep. So is that for Fred? You go to the Lake Charles FBI office. Um, here yep. in Lake Charles, it's not uh, it's not as big an office as it is in Houston. So right. the building itself is a single-story administrative building. You've got a front parking area. There's also a, a rear restricted parking area for employees only and only for service vehicles. That basically, you know, the actual agency vehicles kind of badge a, a gate which opens up and they park in the service area. But the front area has got about a good 20 spots. It's after hours, so the front area is vacant. There's nobody parked there. Yep. And a couple of steps up to the front, it's a single story, kind of wide building, um, maybe 20 years old, but typical government construction. You know, mm. marked, lighted, flagpole in the front, the whole thing. Uh, where do you want to park? In the pretty much the parking lot of the, uh, of the office. Right. So it's a front general parking area, which is fine. You pick a spot yep. anywhere you want. It's close to the door. You can stop the Chevelle, yep. park it, turn off the engine. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, do, they as, do they follow? So you look. Um, they do not enter the parking lot. That truck doesn't. Uh, you think you see it. Well, actually, with your training, you do. So it's um, outside the parking lot across the street over uh, the block, you know, right across the street. Uh, the vehicle stops. Uh, and lingers. Lights on, engine running. Yep. Okay. He's gonna take a deep breath, uh, and he's he's gonna head inside. Now, what what we had prepared, I believe, is that there was gonna be some paperwork waiting for him, right? Yeah, that's the idea. 
Yep. So, so, so basically, I, I don't know the exact legal term that it would be, like, a warrant? Uh, not a warrant. It wouldn't be a warrant. It's basically going to be some task force formation documents and essentially documents which would give you authority that you would mostly be using with the local jurisdiction type of guys to show, yes, we have authority to be here. Here's our, yep. you know, our this is how we can take this jurisdiction away from you and, and talk about agencies involved in the task force and all that kind of bureaucratic whatever. So yep. it's going to be, yeah, that's essentially what we're talking about here, but it's not a warrant. Yep. Okay. So he'll pick all of that up. Uh, I imagine there's phones available to use. Like what kind of phone? Just a desk phone? Just a desk phone. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, moving inside, uh, the door is locked when you go to the mm -hmm. front door of the building. Um, um, somebody is inside a security guy. You're from, yep. you know, uh, he, he walks over there. You, you show the guy your badge. Yep. He unlocks the door, you know, opens it for you. You know, you explain what's going on. Um, he brings you to a, a person who's the desk, the desk overnight person. You know, you explain what, who you are, what's going on. He looks in their files, locates some documents for you, which were priority over to you from Washington, D.C., you know, just checks your badge, marks, indicates on a form that you receive the documents, you sign that you've received documents, transfers them to you. Um, and that's it. I mean, it takes about maybe 10 minutes or so for the paperwork to be done. He gives you yep. a manila envelope, FBI stamp, logo, you know, all your papers are inside. Excuse me. I imagine you have the yellow pages somewhere here. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Uh, sure. I'll show you. He leads you over to sure. one of the spare desks. That they've got, and there's you know they got a local pages, they got a yellow pages, they got a you know a bunch of other directories you know within the state, other cities, you know whatever you need is right there. Mm. So he's first of all important question in the rooms of the motel, uh, the the Twin Oaks Motel, were they phones? Are there phones in there? There are phones. Okay. So he's going to look through the yellow pages for the motel, and he's going to try to call. All right. Uh, that shouldn't be a problem. I won't make you roll for that. Yeah. You, you look under Carlos. You find in the yellow pages for them, the, the Twin Oaks Motel. You call it. So the person that answers is, uh, you know, Twin Oaks Motel. Uh, yes, uh, i just like to send the call to room 23. Uh, three, please. Uh, no, sure, no problem. And they, mm. they put you on hold for a second. They transfer the call. Phone rings. So, um, all right. Dorothy, you, you you were a little bit spaced out. You're off lost in your own thoughts. Um, yeah, probably pretty hungry, too, frankly. <laughs> yeah. And you're startled when on that desk behind you, the phone starts ringing. Yep. She's not hungry anymore. Right. Uh, she'll look at it for a second, like with huge eyes, like what the hell? Um, and then she'll kind of look over and see if Lindsay and uh, Willow are still asleep or if that woke them up. So um, I'll check. No. They're both asleep at okay. the moment. Um, is Regina asleep? No, she's bouncing around. Okay. She's kind of, and she's, she talks to you from time to time, and she's yep. a little hungry, and she asks you a question. 
and then she'll wander around and start looking. You know, she's she's bored and busy in herself. So yeah. So Fred, at the, at this point, Fred's been gone for like an hour, hour and a half. Yeah, we'll say almost yeah. two hours. Okay, so she'll grab the phone and pick it up, and she'll kind of just say in sort of an affected voice, like a higher voice, like, "Hello." Yeah, sorry about the chicken. Oh, Fred. Are, are you okay? Uh, for now. Uh, they're here. Shit. The, um, guy <sighs> made some conversation in the, the parking lot. Real friendly and everything, but he, he had some friends, uh, in the truck. Look, they could have just been some residents from, from Carlos, but, uh, they, they had some stickers, and one of them was a big fat cross and some NRA stickers, look. Yeah. Okay. Are you safe? Where are you even yeah, calling I from? I don't think they're gonna go after me. I, I drove to Lake Charles. Uh, they were following me. Holy shit. Man, that chicken uh, is gonna get cold. Yes. Uh, smells amazing though, but... Um, <laughs> they're still waiting for me on the other side of the street. Okay. Um, what do we do? Honestly, if they're after me, sure, I can I can drive around. It's a real nice car to drive around. Um, stay put. I'm sure all of you are gonna be really hungry at some point, and you're gonna go get some food or whatever. Maybe call the lady downstairs. Ask ask her to do it. Don't leave. If I don't think all of them went after me. Um, there must be some okay. still left in Carlos. Okay. Shit. Yep. Um, alright. Fuck. I'll, um... So Regina kind of stares at you, Dorothy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll spend the night at Lake Charles. I might... Might try to do something a little bit sneaky. Hopefully it works. If it doesn't, I'm I'm not quite sure. <sighs> All right. Keep your eyes peeled. Um, you feeling okay? Somewhat awake? I'm pretty wired. Yeah. No, it's so not great. No, it isn't. I guess we knew it was a matter of time, but I'll be very honest with you, Dorothy, uh, for today. I don't think they're gonna try to do anything. Tomorrow, though. I mean, they got—they got a time crunch. They do. And when colds get desperate, they—they they can do some drastic things. All right. We will see how it goes. Good luck. Not much else, yeah. Good luck to you too. Okay. Hangs up. Hangs up. All right, so I'll start with Fred. Fred, what's your plan going <laughs> forward? Look, he he wants to try to rent a car and just get the fuck out. <laughs> just go back to Carlos uh, unnoticed. Thing is, um, he's just going to leave the fucking, just leave the car there, the, the Chevelle. Uh, but at that point, uh, there's worse things uh, than that. Um, I think he's just going to go... He's going to test out the waters. He's going to go for a walk. 
He's going to leave and he's just going to go for a walk in the neighborhood. See if the, the trucks follow. All right, good. So we'll do that in a second. I'll cut back to Dorothy. Um, when you hang up the phone, Regina is just standing there, sitting right next to you, looking at you, curious, watching you. Yep. Wondering what, you, what are you doing? Dorothy's composure is gone. She's, she looks anxious. She probably looks about as anxious as I feel right now. So, Fred, um, uh, where do you want to exit the building? What's your, what's your plan here? Just, just the main the entrance and just goes right. for a, a nice evening walk. Okay. Oh, actually, no. He he'd go back in the car, okay. grab his gun, uh, not out of view, but just gonna put it in his in his pants. Um, look at that point. Grab some chicken. Give me an alertness roll. Yep. Yes, that's a success. Uh, with hold on, is it? I do want to say don't us- underestimate them, country boys. Wait, 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 wait. I'm I'm not sure if this is. 10 or, or 100. Is, is it is, a 10 and a 0? Yeah, it's a 10 and a 0. That's 100. A 10 and a 0 would be a, a, a 10. Is it a 10? A 10 yeah. and a 0. Oh, wait, no, a 10 and a 10. Yeah, a 10 and a 10 is 100. It's 0, 0, basically. Okay. Okay, I got a 10, yeah. Okay. All right. Um... Fred, uh, as you're going back to the vehicle, um, parking lot's still empty. Nobody else is parked here. There's nobody else standing around here. Um, but you notice something is off about the car. Uh, and you look more carefully and notice that the tires are leaning. The, the tires are cut. Uh, le- both tires on this side, as you go around the other side, uh, you got four matching tires which have been slashed. All four tires on the Chevelle have been cut. He just kind of nods. Okay. As you look across the street, that that pickup truck is not there. Hmm. He's going to look around, see it's not there, but he has a feeling they're they're not very far still. So he's he's going to go for a walk. That's that's really what he's going to do. He's going to go for a walk. He's going to head for like the closest um he he's gonna try to look for like a place where he can get a map because he's not familiar with Lake Charles at all. Try to go like on a public transit and just go somewhere to rent a car because now at this point uh, he can't drive, so he'll just leave the car there. Um, yeah, that's what he's gonna do. He's gonna he's gonna just walk a bit in Lake Charles and and rent a car. Um, what? Give me an, I know that he's got his negative 20, so this might suck, but give me an intral for Fred with a minus mm. 20. Oh, Christ. Not his, not his forte. I can't imagine Lake Charles has public transit in the ni- early 90s. That's yeah. a good point. They definitely oh. didn't in South Texas at that time. Failure. 81. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, Fred will be looking around and it, it probably will take him longer than normal to see that there's like, there's like no, bus stop signs or benches mm. or booths or like the public transit that he's used to, you know, from, from, from time in Canada, Washington, DC, Houston, major metropolitan cities um, out here. It, it takes him a while, but he realizes there's no infrastructure for that. Uh, I, 
I don't see a bus stop, and this you're like downtown. You see a bunch of office buildings around you, you know, most of which are closed at this time of night. Um, you don't even see any taxis wandering the streets either. Um, it's kind of 20 minutes in. Let me check here. Yeah. Yeah, and, and this, there's nothing unusual going on. You don't notice anybody staring at you or none of that. Um, you find yourself kind of wandering around uncertain in yeah. a, foreign, a city you've never been in before. Um, and you, as you said, so we'll, we'll cut back to Dorothy as Fred is trying to find out what the hell he's going to do. So um, Regina is kind of just staring at you, real curious, Dorothy. Um, like she's trying to figure out what you're doing. She's not saying anything to you. Um, she's being actually pretty patient as far as a kid goes. But you can tell she, she, she wants to say something. So Dorothy's going to look at her and say, um, Regina, tell me, tell me another story. About what? Well, whatever you want. Maybe something that, something that you like to do. Oh, um, I like to draw. I'd like to make stuff. Um, I make little, I make angels. Oh, okay. Yeah, you, you seem to be a, a natural. She's just going to try to keep her talking for a bit. Yeah. She was, I, I can, um, I can, I can draw angels. That's, that's good. So she gets a pencil and gets some paper and she starts just going and she says, mm -hmm. Papa, Papa showed me. My, my daddy talks to angels too. Yeah, I, I heard about that. She nods. She, she, she starts, she's scribbling and she's kind of looking at the paper. Mm -hmm. She says, he says it's okay. Yeah, you know, I've actually met some angels too. You did? Yep. Uh, yeah. Were they good or bad? They were good. Oh, good. Yeah, she smiles. She says, did they give you a, give you a present? <laughs> um... More advice, I guess. Angels talk to my papa, and they tell him things. Oh, what do they tell him? Ah, uh, it's secrets. Oh, okay. She kind of puts her finger up to her lips, and then she smiles at you. Dorothy smiles back. She starts drawing some more. She starts work. She's working on like the wings now, you know, like these kind of yep. like these, these big, broad wings, and she's coloring. Coloring in the wings, coloring in the wings, and it stretches out either side, you know, and it's got a very small black scribble of a face kind of thing. It's just coloring a bit. This is. Do you like grasshoppers? Dorothy laughs. Um, sure, about as much as, as I like other bugs. Huh? I like all life. There's, there's a, a story about grasshoppers. Yeah, I think like, I, I think I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, they like they they have fun all summer, but then when the winter comes, they all they die. Well, actually, you know, they don't die. Really? Yeah, they actually what they do is they hibernate. That's what bears do. You're right. Yeah, a lot of a lot of animals hibernate. They go underground. They they burrow underground, and they sleep. 
and and sometimes they they'll wake up or they'll also lay eggs and and their babies will will wake up um every year oh um is that the same as dying not quite more like sleeping for a long time okay and when you wake up it's warm and bright so she finishes the picture of the angel and she hands it to you and Dorothy looks at it and tries to smile the grasshoppers are are, are going to come. She, Papa, told me. Dorothy uh, nods and uh, starts to tear up a little bit. She says, "Soon." She uh, puts the drawing down and she goes and wakes up Willow. So Willow, um, as you're woken by Dorothy, you know you see Dorothy and this little little, little six-year-old there, you know, standing next to her, staring at you. Willow, you wake up. Um, it has not been three hours, to be clear. It's been a couple, though. It's been all, two and a half, is sure. where we'll put us. So I'll give you guys, it's 8.30 at this point on Saturday night. Uh, and and uh, you are not happy to wake up, Willow. No, but I am up and pretty instantly, right? Like, she goes to his consciousness. She's going to get real quick. She looks at you. Like, has it been three hours? Almost. I said three hours. But okay, I'm There's up. a situation. She so, uh, Regina nods a bunch. I kinda, is Regina holding the drawing? Like, do I see? I, th- I think Dorothy is holding it, right? Sure. And, and yeah, so she'll, she'll actually take the pencil and flip to a new page and start writing on it and, and so that Regina can't hear the conversation and she'll basically say Fred's in Lake Charles dinner's getting cold we need to do something Willow would look around Lindsay's still asleep like passed yeah, out is. snoring um trying and to Dorothy writes uh and like gestures to to uh Lindsay and writes on the page lights out question mark Willow would just stand up, walk over to her bag, and say, I don't know how this this could play out here. I'll, I'll tell you what I want to do. You tell me how if how successful I am. So in her bag is the equivalent to chloroform again, right? Yeah, you probably have some of that still. I would like to obtain it and get it on Regina's face before she could react. So, I mean, giving that to a child and have different effects and giving it to an adult. Right. Um, give me give me a medicine role or um, pharmaceuticals, whichever you want you choose, whatever is higher. The bad news is, as you're at a negative 20. Uh, the good news is my pharmacy starts at 60, so I got a 40. Yeah. Oh, that's not good. That's a 96. All right. Um, you, you, you make an estimate with your tired, tired brain on how much chloroform you think would be okay for to give a six-year-old girl. Hmm. Which is to say none. Hmm. What a sentence. Holy crap. 
And what do you want to do? Well, before, go. If, if I may, if I, if I can see Willow kind of going for There's this, no way. Well, one thing she will say, Dorothy will say is, Regina was just telling me a story about all the grasshoppers and that they're going to be coming soon. So like when you said that, I was still like bent over the bag getting it ready, and you like you just watched my spine stiffen, right? Like obvious more uh, stress was introduced to my body when you said that. Yep. But still, immediately go for it. Like that just hardens my resolve on it. So what do you do? Turn around and put a uh, rag over her face. They tell me all your stories All the little worries you cry They tell me what the world needs What to say, who to please Where my loyalties should lie Travel, the trials and the battles, how many 